The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 92. Today, the Bible Study Podcast looks at the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Let's jump right in. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, since I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest." And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. Now remember in Hebrews 3 we were talking about the generation that Moses brought into the wilderness in the book of Exodus who, because of their unfaithfulness and eventually their rebellion against God, were not allowed to enter into the promised land. And so the verses that are being quoted here are talking about that generation that God has said they will never enter my rest. And the writer to Hebrews here is using the analogy here of rest and Sabbath, that seventh day, in a similar fashion. So let's break this down. The writer is encouraging those who are hearing this letter, because this would generally be read aloud in the churches, is how most people would receive it at the time, rather than the way we receive it, which is usually by reading it, although you apparently are also reading it in the oral tradition. He encourages us that since we have this promise of entering his rest, and the three different rests that we are talking about here, and we're kind of winding these together, are the promised land, the Sabbath, and then, of course, the ultimate rest of being with God in heaven. And the writer is kind of weaving these together here. So we have that promise of entering his rest, really looking at that third one, and be careful that we aren't found to have fallen short of it. First of all, this is one of the verses in the Bible that does seem to be written to people with faith and encourages us that our faith, our These promises that have been given to us may be something that we can lose. There's controversy about that in the church, but there are certainly verses like this that are written to people in the church that seem to encourage us to stand firm, to hold on, to not fall short. And we have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Now, they heard the law. They saw the revelations that were given to Moses. They saw miracles. They saw the acts of God to get them out of Egypt. When we have the gospel preached, but the writer is using those as analogous, that the gospel being preached to us just as they did, that we have heard from God. We have seen what God has done. We know something about God's love for us. In their case, through the Exodus, through the Passover lamb, in our case, through the Paschal lamb, through Jesus and what he has done for us. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they'd heard it but did not combine it with faith. So because it didn't ultimately get them to where they needed to go, where they wanted to go, to the promised land, it was of no value. 
That doesn't mean it didn't have value intrinsically in the message. That doesn't mean that it didn't have value to them at some point. But ultimately, it had no value to them because they were brought out of Egypt but couldn't go anywhere else. They were stuck because they lacked the faith time and time again to believe in God and enter the rest that he had prepared for them. We talk about the generation marching around the wilderness for 40 years, and we make jokes about because Moses was a guy and couldn't stop and ask for directions. But in reality, they ended up at the promised land probably within a year. They walked to the mountain of God, received the Ten Commandments and the law, and were there for a while, and then basically marched on to the promised land in a relatively straight line. But it was their lack of faith that kept them wandering in the desert, in the desert of sin, which is what that desert is in Sinai. And the writer here quotes from part of Psalm 95, the larger portion of that from verses 8 to 11 of Psalm 95 would be, Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The writer has an interesting phrase that he puts after that, which is, and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. And I don't think this is a deist view of the great clockmaker who winds up the clock that is the universe, then rests for the rest of time. But it reads a little like that. Remember, there are other verses in the Bible that say we won't find rest until we find rest in him. And so I think it's basically saying that any time with God is bringing us some rest to enter into God's Sabbath. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, the passage says, they shall never enter my rest. So it's a little bit of an odd paragraph there. But I believe that it is implying that basically time with God and that time with God we spend on our Sabbath day is a time of rest and recreation, recreation. So let's continue. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as it was said before, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains, then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So we're continuing to talk about us versus these people who died in the wilderness, and we're encouraged through the words of another psalm of David, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I like that phrase, Therefore God set a certain day, calling it today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where we should be acting out our faith. Today is the appropriate day to put our trust in God. And then it talks about if Joshua had given them rest, 
God would not have spoken about it another day. So we got in the last chapter, Jesus was greater than Moses. Jesus is also greater than Joshua. That Joshua led the people into the promised land, but Jesus led us into a Sabbath rest. That Jesus led us into a relationship with God in a more permanent and a more full fashion than that promised land that Joshua led the people into. And it talks about anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did. And then basically it's holding that out to us and saying, let us be faithful where they were unfaithful. Let us be obedient where they were disobedient. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That's actually a bit scary. I think that's a frightening thought that everything that we do, everything that we think is known to God and will be made public, I think, in the last day and the day of judgment. That's a very sobering thought to me. I think I'm a pretty nice guy, but if you knew my thought life, you would know that I'm imperfect. You would know better, at least, that I'm imperfect. Those of you who hang out with me already know that. And just this thought that the Word of God is living and active sharper, it penetrates into dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Basically, we can't hide from God who we really are. God understands what we do. He understands what we think. He understands what we do in private. He understands our motives for what we do in a way that leaves us bare. There's nothing we can hide from him. And then the chapter closes with this paragraph. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's a much better note to end on than that previous paragraph. I'm glad that those who put in the chapter marks decide that this would go in the same chapter. Basically, this says, Jesus also was tempted. Although he didn't sin, he understood temptation. It was real for him. It was tempting. If it wasn't tempting at all, it wouldn't have any meaning. And so this says he understood temptation and yet did not stumble, yet he did not give in. And so he's able to sympathize with our weakness. So God, who is living and active, who can see all of our thoughts, who can see all our attitudes and our motivations, Jesus, who is that high priest who stands between us and the Father to bring us together, because that's the job, again, of a high priest, and we'll look at that more a little later. He sympathizes with our weakness, and therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive grace and mercy. Again, grace, that unwarranted favor from God, the things that God gives us that we don't deserve, and mercy that punishment that we avoid even though we deserve punishment. 
With that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions, feel free to email host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.